chapter four sections four and five of the marvels of divine grace by alice lady lovett this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four on some prerogatives of divine grace section four the greatest obstacle to our union with god by grace is sin mortal sin as we all know extinguishes divine charity in our soul and drives us from the arms of god into those of his enemy but all sin is displeasing to god in the highest degree to commit even a venial sin is a great misfortune the greatest in the sight of the all-holy god that could happen to us look at the temporal punishments he has inflicted on his servants for sins which we should think little of committing moses for instance for a slight disobedience to his commands and david for a vainglorious action in counting the people of israel the saints with a clearer sight of the unutterable majesty and purity of god reach a much nearer comprehension of the nature and heinousness of sin st teresa after commenting on sins due to inadvertency goes on to say but from wilfully committing any sin however small may god deliver us i cannot think how we could dare to set ourselves against so great a sovereign in however small a matter though no offence against such majesty can be called small because we know that he is watching us such a fault seems to me thoroughly premeditated it is as if we said lord although this displeases thee yet i shall do it is such a misdeed a little one to me it seems not a little sin but a great and very great one venial sins it is true do not destroy divine charity but as st francis of sales tells us charity is sometimes weakened and depressed in the affections till it seems to be scarcely an exercise at all and yet it remains entire in the supreme region of the soul this happens when under the multitude of venial sins as under the ashes the fire of holy love remains covered and its flame smothered though it is not utterly extinguished probably the tongue is the most frequent cause of sin to all and what terrible things st james tells us of the power for evil in that little member for every nature of beasts is tamed and hath been tamed by the nature of man but the tongue no man can tame an unquiet evil full of deadly poison by it we bless god and the father and by it we curse men who are made after the likeness of god who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you let him show by a good conversation his work in the meekness of wisdom but if you have bitter zeal and there be contentions in your hearts glory not and be not liars against the truth for this is not wisdom descending from above but earthly sensual devilish for where envying and contention is there is inconstancy and every evil work but the wisdom that is from above 
first indeed is chaste then peaceable modest easy to be persuaded consenting to the good full of mercy and good fruits without judgment without dissimulation and the fruit of justice is sown in peace to them that make peace james chapter three verses six through eight and fourteen through sixteen to sin is to be human and we need never expect to be wholly free from all venial sins and imperfections as long as we abide in this mortal life two thoughts gathered from the teaching of the saints may be of use to us to help us to fight against these falls which are such an obstacle to our union with god one is that if the moment we are conscious of committing a sin we turn to god with a profound sense of humility and sorrow for having grieved his divine spirit whose temple we are we gain as st francis of sales tells us by our fall inasmuch as the profit we make by advancing in humility is a rich reparation for the damage sustained by our frailty the second is the use of what an ascetical writer calls the rudder of the devout life examination of conscience to quote again from the author of philothea our examination of conscience must be reduced to a search for our passions in order to do this we must two or three times a day give a swift passing glance at our heart what it is preoccupied with what it is doing for where our treasure is there also is our heart is it occupied with self and its interests or with god and his is it resentful critical vain dissipated betrayed into emotions which if laid bare would fill us with confusion or is it merely empty this swift glance will more than any other exercise show us how we stand before god if our dominant feeling the one uppermost in our heart is one displeasing to god we should humble ourselves before him and implore his forgiveness self-examination is the eye of a devout life without it we are ever groping in the dark and shall never reach our goal which is the union of our soul with god section five the three principal means by which we advance in the grace of god are prayer the sacraments and the sacrifice of the mass prayer though it may be divided into vocal and mental is in its essence one thing only that is the conversation of the soul with god cor ad cor loquitur mary seated at our lord's feet listening to the words which drop from his divine lips is the example of prayer to all time true we may converse with god in words put into our lips by christ as in the our father or by the church or by the saints but in such prayers unless we put our soul into them uttering the words with attention and devotion and thus as it were making them our own they will be but a vain repetition against which our lord so emphatically warned his disciples 
a well-known ascetical writer has said that unless we practise mental prayer our vocal prayer will remain little more than words hence he goes on to say the importance of the hour or half hour we give to meditation it is the hour in which the soul lives its true life it is the hour of its intensest discipline when acts are prolonged which vibrate long afterwards through the hours of the day through the spaces of life it is the hour of speaking to god in his holy of holies where the soul finds insight and strength and endurance it is the hour of calm when the thronging elements of a man's personal life are ranged in order and marshalled to obedience so that the will may aim at one thing and one thing alone it is the hour of kindling of that precious fire the fire of divine love which must burn through every pulsation of life or else life's deeds can never be borne to the heavens but must drop like leaves to wither on the earth it is the hour when the heart speaks to god and what is of infinitely greater moment when god speaks to the heart again there is ejaculatory prayer of which it has been said that it supplies the place of almost every other kind of prayer and nothing supplies its place it was by means of ejaculatory prayer that the solitaries of the desert not only attained to sanctity but reached great heights of contemplation prayer though it should in the first place be directed to our wants to be pleasing to god must not end there our divine saviour in a revelation to saint gertrude told her how earnestly he desired that we should make intercession for all men self-love he said has infected the whole world as if it had drunk poison do you therefore my servants prepare yourselves with supplications mercy and anxious desires grieving over the offences committed against me and over the damnation of sinners and so you will mitigate the wrath of my divine judgments we learn from lancisius that the offering of the blood of christ and of his passion and death to the eternal father in order to appease him for the sins of the world is of boundless efficacy intercession for the souls in purgatory either by indulgenced prayers or practices of piety is we know specially pleasing to god and will bring down his choicest blessings on our souls in praying for them we are exercising all the spiritual and corporal acts of mercy and procuring their powerful advocacy here and hereafter before the throne of god it is however in the sacraments and above all in the sacrament of the holy eucharist that god has chosen to reserve the full plenitude of his graces and mercies to man we receive him there who is the author of all good and he comes as the saints tell us with his arms full of blessings ready to bestow them on all who have made their hearts empty by humility and large by detachment from creatures we need not fear to approach him 
for as he himself has said they that are whole need not the physician but they that are sick the best beggars are those who are the most sorely in need we have but to own our necessities and show him our wounds for him to heal us and send us away comforted to keep away from him would be a false humility for to fly him is to fly life but if in the sacrament of the altar god does everything for us as great or even if possible greater is what he enables us to do for him in the sacrifice of the mass in the mass astounding privilege we make god an offering worthy of himself the spotless lamb who was slain before the beginning of the world the feelings of mary when at the presentation of the child jesus in the temple she presented the son of god to his eternal father the first of all created beings to make him an offering worthy of himself should be as far as our weakness and misery permit ours also by faith we see him again born on the altar as he was born in the stable of bethlehem by faith we behold him lifted up by his minister as he was lifted up long ages ago on the tree of the cross for the healing of nations he is there truly present as high priest and victim who is a priest for ever of the order of melchizedek the advocate with the father jesus christ the just the mass should be the central act of our day as the passion is the central act of the world's history in the canon of the mass the priest says per ipsum through him cum ipso with him in ipso in him through him comes all grace and holiness perseverance comes from walking with him in him is life everlasting if we wish to make great progress in the spiritual life we must cultivate a tender devotion to mary there is nothing that makes us more pleasing to the sacred heart of jesus than a love of his blessed mother the saints are unanimous on this point st bernard tells us that she is the channel by which god conveys his blessings on man and in a well-known passage of his writings he recommends us to make all our offerings through her for he says our hands may not be free from guilt but mary's are as the whitest lilies so the lover of lilies will never be found to reprove what is found in her hands blessed grignon de montfort teaches us that the holy ghost the spouse of the most pure virgin willingly dwells in hearts devoted to her bringing with him his most glorious gifts and fruits and taking up his abode in them forever we learn from the same and similar sources that mary earned her astounding privileges by her humility and in this we should take her in a special manner as our model end of chapter four section five end of the marvels of divine grace by alice lady lovett